0: Welcome to Insistent on Improvement. Today we have Philip Price and he's going to tell you a little Hello. bit about himself.
1: Hey guys. Uh Alan, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, I don't know where you want to start. I mean, I've done a little bit of everything, honestly, in my life. Um product of multiple divorces. Both parents divorced multiple times. I've been through separation anxiety. Went over to South Korea, left my whole family behind, had to develop figure out who the hell i was and everything i mean i've been i've been i've been been through a lot of shit but life is too short and it's entirely beautiful and so you gotta find the positive in among all of that and i've, I've been pretty good about that the last probably four or five years uh I where you go with
0: what was the what was the worst thing that you've been through you think
1: uh honestly truthfully the uh Probably the biggest turning point in my entire life. I was over in South Korea. I was stationed there, and one of my mentors went on a, a run like he did regularly. Dude would take off, his name was Sergeant Nubla. Um, he'd just go for a run three times a week, about five miles. On mile marker number two, two and a half, there was this big, big hill. That's called. It was down in what they called Dragon Valley. And uh, he'd go in with a group of people, and he had a heart condition no one knew about and he ruptured his aorta and died on a run in the army, as a medic. Like, the, the sheer just coincidence of all that being the reason that you die is unreal. Like, life is life is entirely too short. I, uh, it, from that moment on, I chose to live every day like it was on purpose. Like, I don't really have bad days. If I do, they're momentarily yeah get some coffee get some going get get some energy going then go um that dude that dude did a lot for me before that happened and he's done even more for me afterwards like i don't i don't have bad days i try not to and you know, we played soccer together you, I, was, I, I was never down
0: no you're always happy
1: i'm a, am perpetually positive to the point of annoyance to the people around me like I, I, I will bring good energy anywhere i go it's just how i've been it's what i do i'm the, the energizer bunny Always going, going, going. Uh, but it, it taught me a lot about myself. Um, I've been, like, like I said, I've been through multiple divorces as, a, as a child. I've had one of my own, and I've uh, been through, been through the ringer as far as emotional and mental, like, abuse is concerned, uh, manipulation on my parents' part, and just all kinds of real, real not great stuff. Nothing physical. Thank God. I'm not very big, that wouldn't be. That wouldn't turn out too well, uh, but definitely overcome some obstacles and just grow and I mean, find what makes me happy and I just go. Now my outlet is fishing, like it, I, I, I paint and I fish and that's literally the happiest part of my day on any given day.
0: What kind of fishing? Uh,
1: so right now I do a lot of it out of a kayak, uh, I do everything out of a kayak. Let, let, me, let me digress. Um, Largemouth, smallmouth, it's just whatever. I prefer chasing smallmouth bass out of the rivers and streams because you're away from everybody. You're immersed in nature. It's you and seven feet of graphite and some eight pound test like thread between you and this beautiful dark brown predator in water. It's, just, it's magnificent.
0: Oh yeah, I used to love uh, walking up the creek banks like, going upstream and just fishing for brownies all day long. Like, I could do that shit all day.
1: It's it's, it's my favorite way to escape reality. And I'm, I'm lucky enough, I'm, I'm blessed enough to have a girlfriend that she had never really been fishing. Her family are incredible people, but they kind of didn't do anything. Like, they developed their own farm in their backyard. They have redone their house like four times since I've known her just because they can't, they, I, I guess they just, they get... They they want want small changes. They never went on vacations. They never went out to eat. They didn't do anything fancy, which in the long run is better financially because now they're both retired at younger ages than your normal retirement age. But she loves to just go get away from all of that. Like, literally, if we're both off, since I'm in the restaurant world, my, my off days are strange. But if we're both off on on the same day, I'm like, hey, what do you want to do? She goes, I'm coming over to your house at, like, 6 in the morning, and we'll go disappear and go chase Smallies. She's not good at it. But she likes it. But she loves it to the point that for, like, her birthday a couple years ago, she wanted me to get her some things. I got her fly rod. I got her stuff to tie flies. Not that we have actually ever been fly fishing, but it was something for us to do during the colder months to just keep our minds off of the regular nonsense that is desk life yeah she has a cube she hates it she loves it but she hates it
0: yeah I don't think I could work in a cube that's not for me
1: I've tried I've tried multiple times I was a truck driver recruiter at J.B. Hunt for about 8 months I was good at it I hated it Uh, I worked at this place called Case Stack in Fayetteville as well for a little bit cold calls and sales and it is not for me that is the only job I have just been like and I quit like, and I, sorry to my people that I knew that got me that job, but I guess not for me. I can't do it. I need, I need interaction. I need out of a desk. I need out of a seat. So what would your ideal job be? Honestly, manufacturing my own fishing lures and going in fishing tournaments. If I was, if I was able to go fish for smallies every day and get paid to do it, that would be incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um. Yeah, that, that, that I, exactly. I know that. they have largemouth fishing tournaments, but I, do they have smallmouth? They do, they do, uh, especially for, uh, specifically for kayaks as well. So the, the, the smallmouth fall into the category of black bass, which is any spotted largemouth, smallmouth. There are a couple others that aren't indigenous to this area, uh, but that fall in that category. Um, and there's actually a, a regional tour called River Bassin Tournaments, It's mostly like Missouri and Oklahoma. I don't know if they come down towards Arkansas, but they should. That I'm going to start competing in next year. If I win, fantastic. If I don't, I don't care because I'm out doing what I love. And that's ultimately the goal, right? That's anybody's goal. If you love what you do, you don't ever work a day.
0: Yeah. I also uh, had a friend that they're all about supporting recycling. And they're trying to pass the container deposit law here in Arkansas. And they posted that quote the other day, and it said, you know, if you if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. And it, like, scratched that, you never work a day in your life part out, and it said, um, you work really hard, and uh, basically, like, you you take everything, like, really personally in the heart, because, like, you care so
1: much about it, and you can't ever sleep at night. That's fantastic. I mean, it, passion drives greatness. Right. And if, if you're passionate about mopping floors... Be the best damn floor mopper there is. If you're passionate about doing nails, hair, making drinks, painting, cutting dogs' nails, whatever, if that's your niche and that's what you love doing, do it. Chase it. Pursue it.
0: Right. Do it to the best of your ability. I uh, My first tour when I was like six years old was I had to scoop poop. And <laughs> in the backyard, like we had... I think dad, that was everybody's first tour. Yeah. My dad trained beagles. Uh, my dog was a Catahoula hound. And he was like, if you're going to have a pet, you're going to have to learn these basic responsibilities. And there would be times, you know, I'd want to hurry up and get done. I wouldn't, you know, scoop the poop good enough. And my dad instilled it in a young age. He was like, I don't care what job it is that you do. If you're a pooper scooper, be the best pooper scooper that's ever scooped poop in all of existence. He's like, you have to try as hard as you can and as anything that you do, just be really good at it and take it seriously because that's how you're going to feel good at the end of the day. You're going to take pride in your job no matter what shitty of a job it is, even if it's scooping poop. Literally. Yeah,
1: it, it and I had a my, my very first real job. I worked at Chick Fil A for about six months when I was sixteen. That was awful, uh, but I worked at Journeys shortly thereafter. And my boss, his name is Kevin. He, he his name is Kevin Jones. Uh, I don't I've lost touch with him over the last fifteen years, ten years. But uh, he said the same thing. He's like, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm gonna be the best one in that building at it. The dude was tall, goofy, nerdy. His favorite band was Nine Inch Nails, and he looked like somebody that. Stayed too long in his mom's basement. But he was incredible when it came to talking about shoes, talking about socks with people. I, the, 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 amount of, the amount of like energy and attention this man put into getting people in the right socks with the right shoes was something that I will never, ever forget. And he kind of instilled it in me. And then I eventually moved on into his assistant manager, and then store manager of the Journey store in Rogers, the it opened up. That was my 20th birthday. My 20th birthday present was that I became a store manager of a shoe store.
0: Nice.
1: I, I, projections didn't mean anything. I beat them. I had some some people that are now still among, like, we we've, they, they now have families and they've grown up and do all, done all the things. I don't. I have a dog and a fishing bowl and a kayak. But they have, they have families, but we still keep in touch. And, uh, like, the guys that there were my employees there, I hired them because they knew more about the shoes or knew more about just that world than I did at the time. And, I mean, we, we pushed each other. We... Develop this bond, and we just beat projections day after day, after week after year. Do I think people like
0: entirely underestimate how important like comfortable socks are.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely! And from literally anything. So go go back to my my army time. We I was part of this uh, this infantry unit that we did what they call the Manchu mile. If you go back to where that story came from, these guys, the unit called the Manchu's. Marched seventy-four miles into battle, seventy-four miles nonstop, right into a battle. And so, to commemorate that, they, which they, they won, apparently they just decimated the other team, the other, the, the opposing force team force. Um, to commemorate that, we did twice a year the, our own Manchu mile, which was thirty-two to thirty-six miles, depending on who was leading it and the route we took. And all the training for that is not easy. And comfortable socks are everything, everything, because you get a blister at like mile marker ten, you're done. Oh yeah, absolutely done. And I did three of them as the medic with the unit marching the entire way. Then I did one after I got hurt. Uh, I did one where I was just the trail medic, so I was in a vehicle behind them all, picking up the guys that fell out, so on and so forth. That was that was more fun because I got to talk crap the entire time
0: you are like, I'm not doing this shit, but you guys that are being pussies suck.
1: Well, no, I, I did mine. Like I was there for two years. I I, I went over to Korea, what they called command-sponsored. Uh, so I was able to bring my wife with me, and my at-the-time wife, now ex-wife, able to bring her with me, but it added another year onto my, my tour time. She went crazy and tried to kill me, and I sent her back to the States, but I still had to serve the rest of the time over there. So I did, I did my, my year plus. I did three Manchu miles. My fourth one was I'm not doing this. Can I please not do this? And they're like, that's fine. You've done three. You can be in the truck drinking Gatorade and taking care of everyone that doesn't want to do this. So I did mine. I'm good. I don't ever want to do it again. So your wife tried to kill you? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And and. She. So we, we went over to Korea, which is 16 hours, 15 hours ahead of time of where we're at right now. Um, she was very dependent on her family for any kind of emotional support. So if you take somebody who isn't comfortable enough in their own skin and put them in an area where they, they don't speak the language, they don't know how to get around, don't know how to travel, don't know anything, and they don't have a social circle other than the one person that brought them there you're going to have them either become the best version of themselves or the worst version of themselves. And she became the latter. She became manic depressive and wouldn't do anything to better herself. I, I went out of my way to get her involved with like other wives that were over there that went shopping, just go and goofed off. It was a beautiful country. Incredible, diverse history and culture. and just I immersed myself in it, and it was fantastic. I would move to Korea tomorrow if they offered me a job. But she uh, she couldn't handle it. And so she she just continuously spiraled into this deep, dark depression. And then one day accused me of cheating on her, which is a very common thing in Korea. Not me. I was too busy working and playing soccer and spending time with my wife. She threw a glass at me, accusing me of cheating on her, and then grabbed a shard and chased me around the apartment, yelling, I'm going to kill you. Like, came at me slashing. She missed. I think she nicked me somewhere, like, right here. I think I got, like, a little scar, but nothing serious. So I threw her on the bed, I left, got her a plane ticket the next day, and sent her home. A few months later, we were divorced.
0: I bet that was pretty painless, though, as far as the divorce process. <laughs> Whenever you have something like that going on, it's like, there's really not much to talk about. It's like, I think we both know that it's just not going to work
1: out now. Yes and no. At the same time, Like I, I committed you know, my other half of my life to this individual and we had made plans and developed this program for us to grow and develop together and create this family and create this incredible future. And out of nowhere, that is just yanked for me. Like, that's not easy to deal with. I don't, on whatever level that is. Um, it's not, not easy at all. But as far as the proceedings and everything were concerned, that was really, that was the easiest part. So my friends that are going through divorces, I'm like, I can understand, but I can't because we didn't have children. We had a dog that some friends wanted to adopt anyway, so we gave her to them and uh, parted the ways. A few years later, we ran uh, we met back up, so I could give her her great grandfather's clock, and she could give me my great grandmother's quilt that she sewed for me, and that was it. Haven't heard from her since. Your PlayStation likes it, I guess.
0: All right, so see what happens with that is is I'm I'm almost a hundred percent sure that at one day when I was trying to sync my xbox to a controller that somebody else must have been trying to sync their xbox (laughs) to a controller because no shit i will turn my xbox on and it won't come on from the controller like and i'm like damn i bet i turned someone else's xbox on and then randomly my xbox comes on i think whenever the other person tries to turn their xbox on (laughs) so like one of my neighbors and i are like sharing Xbox connections and I bet it's really awkward when they're trying to play Netflix and I'm like trying to play Halo and it's like fucking up something
1: I don't know they're trying to watch something nice and PG rated and you're over there trying to shoot somebody and they're they get to the deepest darkest part of Netflix that there is Yeah. (laughs) I'll take them into the
0: dark web of Netflix
1: (laughs) that's just good stuff
0: yeah except it makes it really strange whenever like times like now it just randomly kicks on you're like I didn't do that like
1: your Xbox is haunted. It's fine.
0: Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. That might be why the guy sold it to me for a hundred bucks.
1: No, he, he, he still has the controller. It's actually synced up to it. He's outside. Oh, probably. He probably <laughs> just pulls up just to fuck with me. That'd be, that'd be like the greatest con of all times. Oh, well, it's harmless. So the greatest harmless con of all times. it would be great. Fun stuff. <laughs> that really happened. Yep. That's wild. But has... Divorce sucks.
0: Yeah, I've been uh, separated for over a year now. That's why I live in this apartment. So, living in a house with my kids and went through a lot of the similar stuff. No, you know, death moments, but it's uh, it's definitely not fun. But we're both trying to be civil and work through like making out of court agreements so we're not like dragging the kids through anything. And then we're hopefully just going to be able to like use a single lawyer have all of our stuff written up that we want to have done and then just proceed with it that way so it's like 300 bucks instead of like paying a whole lot to go to court and all that. But it doesn't look like it's going to you know, pull through on the bright side because it's been a long time and it doesn't get any better.
1: Well, I, As long as your focus is making sure everything is good for the kids. Yeah. I mean, being an adult sucks. You got to pay rent. You got to wake up and go to work and do all these things that you don't want to do. But ultimately, we're able to adapt to so many things. Like, we as individuals are able to overcome so much adversity. There's not a single broken heart in the world out there that hasn't... Or not, not a single healed heart out there. Not a single happy person out there that hasn't been through bad times. The bad times are what make the bright times so much nicer.
0: Yeah, You can't have the sweet without the bitter. You can't. I mean... You can, I guess, but the bitter just makes the sweet taste so much better. I mean, it's a bittersweet symphony of life.
1: I feel like there's a song there. Right. (laughs) Uh, I've got a friend of mine that I used to work with who he and his boyfriend moved to Seattle. And it's dark, like cloudy, gray a lot of the times. And then every now and then it's bright and sunny and he frolics gleefully down the street, I'm sure. But that's when I get the Snapchats. Like it's sunny, you can't enjoy the good without the bad.
0: Um, speaking of Seattle, I saw a video once. Um, they they have a lot of fish markets in Seattle, and the number one best selling fish market in Seattle. When this dark, gloomy place, um, you know, obviously people have a reason to be down. It's kind of like living in England or something. Mm. But um, the the best fish market um, is employed by a bunch of guys. That from the moment the fish are coming off the boat, they're like chanting and singing and like they're tossing the fish back and forth and back and forth. And like one person says something like, got a big blue mackerel. It's like big blue mackerel, big blue mackerel, big blue mackerel, like all the way through the motherfucker until every single person is just having a good time. So like the video that I saw about the place like literally had people that were spectating that weren't even planning on buying fish. But then they had almost like an auctioneer type person on the like cash register and he would be calling out to the people that were laughing and smiling and be like, oh, so you want this fish? It's just coming in right now. You see that one flying by you? I saw you look at it. I think you want it. Like, you know, just nonstop. And that's great. And then people were just having this wonderful time walking through the fish market and it became like a show. Well, then you could, you know, automatically imagine that their sales are through the roof just because they're keeping up this positive attitude. And then they interviewed some of the workers and they were like, why, why would you work in a fish, remote? every other fish place around here, like everyone's down in the dumps and they're up, they're cold, they're wet, like it's grimy, it's nasty. You're and, covered in blood and you're getting cuts all over your hands from the little bones in the fish and everything else. And you guys are over here having a blast and they're like, there's nowhere else in Seattle that I'm going to be able to have this much fun. I
1: no, not know. It, energy is contagious. Energy is absolutely contagious. Uh, it, it, it took me working behind the bar at the restaurant that I work at right now that I'm not the biggest fan of as a manager, but one of the, the bartenders I worked with, he, he's older than I am by seven years, and he's, he's from Little Rock. Every other day growing up. I'm from Little Rock. Uh, it, it every other day growing up, like, brother got shot, cousin got shot. Like, it, it's, it's a real reality that he came from that he came up here to escape from and he went to arkansas state and blew out his knee otherwise he might have gone on he he was a safety he was and he is 39 and in better shape than i have ever been ever uh that dude's a beast but uh he, he, he he expressed the need for finding the positive in the everyday finding that silver lining and at first i was like yeah yeah whatever casey whatever blah, blah, blah. Working with him for about three years behind the bar, like, I consistently saw a slight change in myself leaning more towards the positive because if I ever said anything, I'd be like, bop, bop, bop. but it's $2 more than you had. $2 more than you had whenever you walked in. There are people that aren't that lucky. And just slowly progressing into that, that positive all the time. And uh, now as the manager in that restaurant, like, I can see the dining room is entirely empty. Like, maybe 10, 10 tables in there at worst. And the bar is entirely full with people waiting for someone to get up so that they can sit down whenever he's bartending. And he's good at what he does, but his energy is infectious. Like, I've seen people walk in and be like, I want a booth. What's going on over here in the bar? I just want to look. I I think I'm going to go over here. And they'll just get drawn over to it like a moth to one of those zap lights.
0: Or like a human being to a telephone.
1: We're drawn to telephones?
0: I mean we're kinda of like the moth and the telephone's like the light, but it seems like majority of human beings are like addicted to their telephone like a moth to a light. I, I
1: hate I hate that thing. But yeah, the majority probably, yeah. And mine said, You spent four hours last year or last week on your phone. I was like, neat.
0: And do you have an iPhone that tells you your screen time stuff now? Yeah. Yeah, I just got that update.
1: Hey, I spent four hours last week total. I will take that as a win, especially considering that I do a lot of little marketing things here and there. I'm sponsored by a couple people to go fish. Uh, I'm pro staff for a couple like smaller groups around the nation, almost all run exclusive, like exclusively by veterans. And so it's it's cool stuff. I'm able to to support other veteran communities just by doing what I love, which is great. I don't get paid a lot for it, but I get incredible discounts. And if I do start to win some tournaments, then I will start to get paid with it. But just for now I get incredible discounts on these great lures and tackle that I get to use on a regular basis and it's great. I said great a lot.
0: That's great. It's great. But uh, it's really good to do things that we love and not be worried about the money. I feel like if you if you do it as happiness is the return on your investment, then like the money will just come and you end up being like happier with less, like you know less is more. And so when you simplify your life and you don't need as much you end up realizing that like you're pretty abundant, like you have a lot more things than what you need, and or say you get so many lures and you only use the chartreuse one all the time, but you've <laughs> got you know yellow and red and orange and brown and green, and you're like, well, I really only use the chartreuse one. It's like, what do I do with all these other ones? And I, the same thing I feel like happens in our daily lives. Like, you know, we end up having money, and it's like they say the the rap lyrics. You know, the more money you come across, the more problems you see. And it's a a trend for a majority of people that aren't rich is that the more money they get, the higher their debt gets. Like they don't invest logically or they don't save it. They, They don't maintain their debt at a low rate and let their income increase. Majority of people increase, you know, and add more problems to their life. And I feel like if you do something that you really love and you're doing it for, you know, the right reasons and you're really happy then you start to see that you're able to do more with the less.
1: And I... Absolutely. I've, I've started to realize that that is starting to happen in my life. I lived in Dallas for a year and it was awful. Like, I made... I made good money. It's not this astronomical number, but it's more than enough for me to live happily, especially in Northwest Arkansas. But I don't need all of it. So I'm throwing some on the back burner to do other things, vacations, projects, whatever, retirement. Because thir- I'm 32. I got to start thinking about that 10 years ago like an idiot. I didn't think about it because I came from nothing. Both my parents still don't really have much. My dad does not now, but he got lucky to be the highest qualified mechanic at the shop that he works at to go get this specialized training. And now he's the only person west of the Mississippi in his entire company that's trained on this particular like system, which is kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, it the, the more money we have, the more problems we create. I mean, Biggie hit it pretty spot on. Uh, if you're able to simplify life down to just what you need, the bare necessities, life is better, man. Life is better. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've got 200 some odd pairs of sneakers. Like Jesus. Honestly. Well, I've been the same size shoes since I was 17. And I worked at Journey's for a very long time. And I won contest after contest after contest. So I just had all these shoes given to me. But Journey's doesn't sell Jordans, son. I only have three pairs of Jordans. I, I, I've never been on that Jordan bandwagon. My mother is guilty of a lot of really dumb shit in my life. The one thing that resonates within me that she gave to me was do what makes you happy. Like, so while everyone else was chasing Jordans and all the crap growing up, I wore chucks and vans because that's what I liked. She's from California, and that like she was like, hey, you did wear these. So my favorite pair of shoes I've ever had were some teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle all over print vans. They were white with just the turtle faces, just the turtle faces all over it. And it was incredible. Like I, I still to this day can remember wanting to wear them on the first day of third grade, wanting to wear them on the first day of fourth grade, but they were too small and I didn't care. And then remember going home being like my feet hurt. Best pair of shoes I've ever had. Hands down. Now it, it, it is what it is. I'm slowly moving away from the sneakers and into, like, the dress shoes or boots or shit like that, because winter is coming, and I, I wear a lot of boots.
0: I've got one pair of boots that I, I wear for hiking. I've probably got, like, four pairs of Chucks. I've only got one pair of Jordans. I just can't ever find any pair of, like, my. I had, like, a favorite pair, like, the Jordan 13s were, like, my favorite. Oh, the
1: thirteens are thirteens uh, are ugly and perfect. I love them. Right,
0: that That's, big holographic bubble. Right. So I almost bought a pair off of Facebook Marketplace one day, and uh, I asked the guy to like take a picture from the backside, and I was like, I don't think those are are real thirteens. And he got so offended, and he's <laughs> like, What do you mean? And I was like, Well, it, like I've had thirteens, man, and like it doesn't, it doesn't have right. it doesn't have the bubble on the back. Like you you're missing the holographic bubble. And he's like. I've sold your shoes in Fayetteville over the last this many years, and there's no way you're going to insult me and say my shoes aren't legit. And I was like, look, man, I'm not saying, like, they're they're not legit. They're just not what I'm looking for, and, like, I'm not going to buy them. They just don't look like 13s that I've had in the past, so, like, I'm sorry. And he was, like, pretty much like, oh, I'll knock off $30, you know, whatever. I'm just like, no, dude. You're
1: like, Like, you can knock off all of it in a while.
0: I'm like, I'm good.
1: Like, they're not 13s. I don't... I don't I don't get down on on the Jordans like that that height train is wild. I have three pairs of Jordans. Two of them are Jordan Ones, which are basically just sexy dunks, and then I've got one pair of threes, the International Flight threes. They're yeah. like this eggshell white elephant print, and then little touches of red and blue, and that's it. I keep it simple.
0: I've got some straight elephant print Jordans, like they're the whole shoes elephant print. Really? Yep.
1: Are they, like, those are probably super dope.
0: Um,
1: they were, and so,
0: like, I've, I've, like, worn them out completely. Like, I've had them for a while now. Like, I would just wear them, like, everywhere, like an idiot. Like, I didn't keep them super clean. They're not, like, basketball-only shoes. You, you took them with you to a paintball
1: tournament. They just got thrashed?
0: Bro, anything. I take them, take them <laughs> everywhere. And it's funny you say that, because, like, if I went to practice or if I went to the tournament wearing my Jordans, I felt like I just played, like, 10,000 times better. Like, I would actually practice... In a, in a Toon Squad, uh, Space Jam, <laughs> fucking Stop. Jordan jersey, dude. your water bottle says
1: Mike's secret stuff. Hey,
0: yeah, all the way.
1: Well, th- think about, like, the Sandlot. Like, back when we were younger, the Sandlot was, like, it was still to this day. I'll watch it if I'm ever, like, I don't know what to watch. I'll pop it on and I'll probably fall asleep. But P.F. Flyers, for Benny the Jet Rodriguez, she was guaranteed to make a kid run faster and jump higher than ever before. We've been spoon-fed that our entire life. So they give you this false sense of confidence, whether it's real or not. Like if you walk in feeling like you can do it, you can conquer the world, and it's great. Like I'm never gonna be able to touch rim again. I've touched rim twice in my life. I'm five five. It's incredible. Look, I was running away from Ronnie Brewer for one of them, who went on to play in the NBA.
0: Oh yeah, I know Ronnie.
1: But uh, I, I, I've touched rim twice in my life. I was scared, and then I landed, and I was like, that was a very high way up. But uh, if if you think you can do it, like the human body is incredible, we are driven literally by our own drive, our, our mind. If mind over matter never made sense to me until I was old enough to understand that, literally, you can will your way into a bunch of stuff, which is kind of cool.
0: Well, the the saying almost breaks down into like our body is entirely made up of matter, but but our mind is more powerful than the matter that's like within inside of us. So, it even though it's kind of like the whole aspect of um, if you were to take a woman to the gym, not just being against women or whatever, but just the, the thought process of, we'll say a mom, make it easier. Let's take a mom to the gym who's never worked out a day in her life and you put, put her underneath the barbell. You're like, how much can you lift? And she tries to lift a certain amount and she looks at these numbers and she thinks, there's no way that I can lift all this. And so in her mind, she doesn't lift nearly that much. But She's then you put her in a car wreck and she has to lift a car up get to her child and she lifts the car up it's not adrenaline it's not how strong she was her muscle fibers may have only been able to lift you know the maximum amount that she lived in the gym she could have went all out in the gym and lifted it you know opposite you know spectrum she lifted as hard as she could and there was no way that she would have been able to lift a car in the gym that day
1: but but she but
0: whenever her mind is made up that she has to do this shit right now and that no amount of weight is ever going to matter, then she does it, you know, and like that, I want to say it's a true story, like there's been a vehicle flip over on a kid, and a mom's lifted the car up, and got the kid out, and so it's like, it just makes me think that the the same thing happens for us, like we, we put limitations on ourselves, and then we're not able to reach our greatest potential, because we're giving ourselves these, these limitations, and we're not focusing and harnessing like the power of our mind to overcome all obstacles you know i don't necessarily believe that like we could be telepathic and that i could you know make shit float across the room but i feel like your mind is way more powerful tool than your body will ever be
1: i mean the force is clearly real i've seen it in movies yeah but you've got the the stories of the kid in a like a rollover and his dad is still trapped under the car and there's oncoming vehicle and the kid lifted the vehicle that was what five years ago something like that it was actually the news um i don't remember where or but those those stories those stories real or not are inspiring i guess i mean i i i try to find inspiration everywhere it, it, on any given day period because if i'm not then i'm just falling down into like the, the darkness that was my past life so are you a religious person i am actually what do you believe in I had, I was raised Southern Baptist, uh, but my uh, my my grandfather he's my stepmom's dad. He was he was very Southern Free Will Baptist, but instead of like the fire and the brimstone and the you will repent, he was more about the love. So he was different than anybody else that were his peers. Then from there I went into high school and I went to First Night Methodist in Springdale, and their youth group was very worship and love and passion driven and. That's, that's where that, like, honestly, that, that is where I found, like, my, the footing for my religious base. Like, yeah, repent. The first, the Old Testament is great. Learn it, read it, write it, do all the things. But ultimately, if you don't take the lessons from that and learn how to love everybody as if they were, like, your brother or your sister, then you're not doing anything along those lines. You're not, you're not actually being a Christian, if you will. I'll throw it out
0: there. I said it. So you uh, you follow more of the words that are written in red, basically? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, some people say that the idea of reaching enlighten- enlightenment, regardless of which you know religion it is that you fall under, it's uh, considered like the Christ consciousness. And it's like having that same mindset, you know, like of all the words written in red, like believing in love and following that, and that there's a lot of other prophets who have tried to preach that same message there's not any one right over the other, but the main overall goal is the same. Like that if you're a Buddhist, but you reach enlightenment, you're reaching Christ consciousness. Like you're still going through that same avenue of like right. love. And I, I always had a problem with uh, not Christianity per se, but just I grew up, you know, Southern Baptist, Methodist, all that. And I would ask people that were, that were Christians, And I would, because I'm I'm always one who's willing to play devil's advocate, and so I will oppose the other person just for the sake of opposing it to see, you know, where their thought lies. And if they get like really angry with me, then it makes me like you know wonder why they're they're getting angry if they believe so wholeheartedly in what it is they're talking about. Like, why are you why are you upset? You know, like well, how have I offended you by causing you to think? And one of the questions I would ask is, um, so on the belief of that everyone would need to accept, you know, Christ into their heart is that he's the Son of God, you know, this, that, and another, mm-hmm. basically, in order to reach heaven. Well, what about all the people who have moral values and that grew up never knowing Christ, never knew about religion, and they had never committed a sin against man in all of history before the time of Christ, would those people go to hell? And I constantly <laughs> was told yes. And I was like, "But why?"
1: Well, it, it's it's a ve- it's a very simple. If you're going strictly by the stricture or the, by the scripture, which has been translated and moved and manipulated and translated and moved and manipulated throughout the course of thousands of years, those people are destined to go to hell. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one sees the Father save through me. That that's from Jesus to everybody. Uh, unless you have become saved and born again Christian, you are destined to be to hell. That being said, as long as those people are embraced in love and all these things, I'm willing to believe that there's a back door that they can go in. I once again, I'm I'm I, I love pe- I, I hate people, but I love people. I love everybody around me. I'm if you if you ever need a safe space, with all the snowflakes out there. If you need somewhere to, somewhere to go talk, somewhere to go be safe, someone to talk to, someone to do anything, I'd more than willing to open my door for anybody. Those people that have lived their entire lives doing great work for everybody, empowering and embracing that which makes us all human, sorry. No big deal. Those people are, for, for, the, for them to go to, them to hell is just unfair. Like, And the God that I believe in, the God that I love and I trust, wouldn't do that.
0: Right. And the, what was funny to me is that these uh, these same people that would say that all these other people would go to hell we would tell you that all dogs go to heaven. And I'm like, so a dog that has lived before Christ would go to heaven. So like by the time that Christ comes about and all these people are going to go to heaven, heaven's going to be overpopulated with dogs.
1: Bring it on. That's
0: my idea. Let's go. <laughs> and I would I would make so many people mad by like talking about those things cuz they're just like you're just being an asshole. And I'm like, I'm not, though. I'm trying to be logical about something that you say that you believe in, and I'm just wanting you to to think about your thoughts and, and see if there's a possibility that things could be differently than the way that you thought about it. Because if I were to get to heaven's gates, and I had never committed a sin in my life, but I don't even know how to speak any of the languages, I've never been around any of these people, I grew up in an Amazon rainforest in a tribe, and all the people in my tribe thought I was the nicest kindest person. I was super loving. I helped my neighbor. I you know, I never coveted anyone. I went by all the 10 commandments even though I didn't know that they even existed. You did all the things. You did everything correct. And then you get up to, you know, to God and final judgment day and he goes,
1: "Nope, don't know you."
0: Right. Go on. Exactly. I, that didn't make any sense to me.
1: So it while, while you're talking I, there there is there is a scripture on the age of accountability. It's not I'm just gonna paraphrase because it's been a minute, honestly, since I've gone through and just been elbow deep in the Bible. But the age of accountability basically covers people who cannot, I guess, make judgments and things for themselves. And so, if someone has never heard of, you know, heaven or hell, God or not, any of the other, you know, religious groups out there, they would fall in that same category because they just don't know. It, it, like it's it's an ignorance type thing. Like if you don't know it doesn't exist, you can't do it one way or the other. So that would fall in the same category. To me, I believe I believe that's that's where it would go. If if you're gonna go out there and you're gonna do everything you can to make your neighborhood, your neighbor, your family the best possible version of itself it can, by doing all of the right things in a in a holy matter, whether you know it or not, you're doing a godlike act. You are you should, you will, go past the pearly gates and go on and play with all those dogs that are in heaven. Right. Which just sounds awesome.
0: And see, to me, that was about, um, like, the, that was like an age-related thing. Like, children have a certain aspect of innocence that until they reach a certain age, that no matter what happens to them, they would go to, to heaven is what I was under the impression of. But then, um, what was I going to get to? Um, I mean, obviously, the other people, I mean, even though they're ignorant, you know, they're past that they're past a certain age and when I would bring that up to the people I would ask the question to they would always say well that's why it's our job it's like to set out on missionaries it's our job to go out and like teach people the word and I'm like but if they're they conquests and crusades and people coming in and you know like those were t- those were and, and raping those... and pillaging villages followed by missionaries being like if you don't listen to us, we're going to kill you and you're going to get civilized now because I mean part of me I'm I'm Native American so it's like you and me both. Right. And so then it's like you have to look at it from both sides of the coin and you have to say, you know, I know that there were there were Native Americans that were like what's uh what's this this heaven like? Is it full of people like you? And they would say They would be like I don't want to do they that. They would be like yeah, and they'd be like, "Well, I want to go to hell
1: then." And therein lies the great debate among Christian folk. My little brother is more versed in that than pretty much anybody I have met. Like, people that have gone through college to go be preachers and reverends. My little brother can talk circles around them. And he's incredible at it. He can talk both sides of the coin. But he, at the end of the day, is very devout Christian. Like, that's where his head, his heart, his soul are all aligned. And uh, My favorite thing to see is see him find somebody that proclaims himself an atheist and he breaks down why they think they're an atheist and they have a genuine conversation. As long as it doesn't turn into an argument, he's able to maintain his cool the entire time as long as they're able to maintain theirs and he will poke and poke and poke like the annoying creepy old guy on Facebook for your 17-year-old hot cousin, (laughs) 18-year-old hot cousin because we're old. Uh, He'll just poke over and over and over again until like they are able to actually open up and have a genuine conversation. It's fantastic. And that to me is shared that like yes, our job as Christians is to know Christ and make him known. Go out and share the world, share the love. Uh what is it? Let your lines so shine before men so yeah, they may see your good works, which way. glorify your Father which is in heaven, Matthew something, thirteen. But uh it, it's our job our job is ultimately to go spread the word and the love and the Crusades didn't. Dude, yeah, they were contradictory.
0: Yeah, I get in fights with people in my family during like Thanksgiving and Christmas because <laughs> you would. <laughs> so like we were at Christmas one time and they wanted to sing Happy Birthday to Jesus and I was like,
1: His birthday was actually in like January.
0: I was like, um, you know, I don't want to be a, a downer or anything. Like I'll I'll sing the shit with you guys, you know. But you do realize that Christmas is not Jesus's birthday. And like, dude, I like it was like like bomb blew up. Like everybody was like. What the fuck did you just say? And I was like, look man like I'm I'm swear to God like I'm not trying to offend anyone I'm just saying that before you guys start you know um, like forcing this stuff upon your children, I just think that you might want to know what you're talking about research it on your own and they're like they're just like so offended I'm like but you're not understanding like this is indoctrination I'm like I'm sorry but it's that's exactly what it is
1: and that's you're you're exactly correct
0: i was like you have to allow them to be able to make up their mind for themselves and you have to be able to provide like substantial information that you being an adult and who they look up to you know aren't feeding them some bullshit like so if i was five years old And I was being told that every day on Christmas I need to be singing Happy Birthday to Jesus instead of opening up fucking Christmas presents. I would be like, What in the fuck is going on? You know, and then I don't want to become a 30 something year old that's like, Alright guys, we're still gonna sing happy birthday to Jesus, you know? It's nothing against Jesus, it's against misinformation. And so then when I try to bring that up, it's like I'm immediately ostracized as I'm this bad person. It's like I'm actually trying to be the most genuine person in the room if you look at it in an intelligent light, you know.
1: How dare you challenge beliefs and cultures? Exactly. How, how dare you challenge the norm?
0: And I, um, and then, like, this last Thanksgiving, actually, uh, somebody in my family said something about the Bible not being a book. And I was instantly like, you do realize it was a book, right?
1: Mate, it's, called, it's called The Living Word.
0: And I was like, it's, it's, written, it's written by a human being like it's written by God and I was like I mean nope uh, I was like you know I could I could have thoughts in my head and I could be like you know God's talking to me because like my inner voice of consciousness is being very pure at the moment and I could call that God and I could write it down and I could say this is the new testament the newest of the new testament and God told me this and anyone around like how is anyone going to say that that's not true Like, how could you tell me that I wasn't talking to God? And it's like, you have to look back at that and be like, the the real question is: is that a human being pick up some form of writing utensil and write on a piece of paper, bind that into a book, and distribute that? Because if so, that makes it a book. Then a human wrote a book. And, dude, I literally almost got into a fist fight with two of my cousins. Because their mom got mad and left Thanksgiving and said that I called her stupid and I was being disrespectful (laughs) and all this stuff. And so they show up. They weren't even at Thanksgiving. And they show up there trying to fight me. And I went to Little Rock by myself. I've got both my sons with me. And I'm just like, are you serious right now? Like, we're really about to, like, have a fist fight in front of my kids.
1: Over me challenging your
0: mom on something that was definitely not intelligent. I was like, it's it's nothing against anything other than the fact of, you know, I'm against indoctrination and, and, and spreading misinformation. You know, it's like, I don't care what it is anyone believes. And I'm not one to judge anyone on their belief. And, you know, anyone's belief is personal. If they choose to talk about it, then they're also choosing to have someone, you know, go against them. And so it's like, If you keep, it's like, it's like voting. If you keep it to yourself and you don't tell anyone you voted for Trump, they're not going to be mad at you for voting for Trump. I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to vote for Trump. If I found out they voted for Trump, I'm going to talk shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? like, but at the same time, at the same time, it's one of those things. If you don't disclose that information, then you don't open up the door for someone to retaliate. If you
1: put something out of the public, it's now public. They can use with it what they want. Same thing goes with words. I didn't vote for Trump or Hillary, I voted third party. The fact of the matter is I voted. People that don't vote and then want to bash whoever is in charge of whatever be it, like citywide. I would say even if someone doesn't vote, they can still talk shit on Trump. But they didn't and here's 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 where I, here's where I have an issue with that. Like, yes, by all means, first amendment, you can do whatever you want. But you didn't express it on November eighth. If you didn't express it then, why are you expressing it now? If you didn't actually go try to make the impact that you're trying to make now retroactively, you don't deserve that conversation. And I've had I've had conversations that have turned into arguments where I push people's buttons because I, like you, like to challenge people on their stances, on their beliefs, on things like that. Because one, I'm kind of an asshole. I'm definitely an asshole. <laughs> and, and two, if, if you're gonna come and in, come into my life and my house start spouting this nonsense, I'm gonna challenge you on it. And I've made people so angry that they left my house and I haven't spoken to them. Hashtag rock the vote people. Just go vote. We would uh, go vote. What what did <laughs> vote or die, motherfucker, vote to die from South Park. <laughs> um didn't wasn't it J F
0: K though that said that if, if voting mattered they wouldn't let us do it?
1: I don't know. I. Don't, I that that's that's something I haven't heard.
0: Um yeah, I mean I could look it up real quick. But um Yeah, he actually came out with a whole lot of stuff. That was the reason why he was
1: assassinated. I mean, honestly, do votes matter? They make me feel good. They give me the warm fuzzies.
0: I think they definitely matter on a uh, local level. I think that's where it's really important. But I feel like... uh, The national... The puppet who, you know, works for whoever the fucking backdoor, political, whatever. Basically, like... Whether it's the left boot or the right boot standing on your neck, it's still being stood on by the same person. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the
1: same thing. Um, yeah, it's every, and that's we we can go very quickly into like conspiracy theories on that, but all that stuff's probably already predetermined. Exactly, like, I think so. I want to believe it does. It isn't. I want to believe that my brothers and sisters that went overseas and fought and died and lost life and limb didn't do it for nothing. I want to believe that they did that so that we can actually express our opinions and our lives and things here and have an impact on our life and our future and our children and our children's children, all those things, I want to believe that that didn't happen in vain. But at the same time, like, I'm pragmatic and the writing's on the wall. Like, popular vote doesn't matter anymore. An antiquated system so that rural farmers who couldn't get to the vote houses back in, what, the 1800s? whenever this electoral college system was put in place people that couldn't go there is' still there. so that doesn't make any sense.
0: Oh they do things like um, in Atlanta I saw a thing where they wouldn't allow them to use their their project like card IDs like their government housing IDs as a form of a government identification to be ordered to vote and then they would they moved the uh, like they moved the place to like register or whatever like so far away that a lot of these people that were, were having a problem, much less just getting an ID, they weren't able to vote because they couldn't go get an ID to be able to vote in their area because they couldn't get to the place to get the ID to be able to vote. And so, like, there's a lot of situations like that that are just twisted.
1: You know that Lyft and Uber, this go-around? Oh, yeah. they're Free to super discounted rides if you are wanting to go, like, register to vote, go vote. And that's so fucking incredible. Well, they'll take you to the polling station, is what I saw. I don't, yeah.
0: I don't know if they'll take you... Like, say I need to go get a new ID, like a government issue. I mean, that's probably... And they got to drop probably, you off at the DMV, and then, you know
1: what I mean? like That, probably not. But they'll, they'll take you to the polling stations, or to go register. Or people will... Like, if someone needs to do it, it's already passed. But if someone needed to go register, i be taking them. Because that's the biggest way to be a patriot, is to go actually get involved with your community.
0: Right. Well, the the not dealing with the project government issue IDs, they felt like it was almost a direct attack on like the lower class, and, like black communities, and which
1: would have resulted in Hillary. Right. Which might not have been any better.
0: I mean, lesser of evils, though. Man, like I would take Hillary over Trump. I feel like.
1: I I was looking at McMillan, the the prior FBI guy.
0: I was bummed about Bernie McCullin. Sanders.
1: Bernie Bernie say. Bernie Sanders had a lot of great ideas, a lot of great platforms, but his reasoning behind like how to pay for them didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think that's where he failed. Like the dude won more people over than anything. He wanted to in the millennial category too. And we're the future. Like, I'm sorry, all you crotch the old white people that, that might be listening to this, I doubt it because you don't know how to work your iPhone to get to podcasts. But any any of those old far-right people that, oh, change is bad. Just like, for example, your aunt at Thanksgiving. If you suggest a change and it's uncomfortable to them, they're going to react poorly. Change is uncomfortable. Change is incredibly uncomfortable. With this whole Kaepernick kneeling thing, it brought forth a change that no one, I guess, expected. And so it made a lot of people feel all kinds of ways. I went out and bought my lakies, bro. I mean, I... I own more Nikes than anything, and it's not going to keep me from doing it. Well, especially because Converse is owned by Nike,
0: so, I mean, I got lots of Chucks, so I got lots of Nikes. So. There you go.
1: As And as, as a veteran, like, I support his right to kneel. I haven't met a single veteran yet that didn't support it. So, at, at, I'm not going to lie. At first, I was rubbed the wrong way. I was like, I'm not so sure how I feel about that. And as I started looking into myself, like, literally just took some time and did some introspective thinking, it was... Done over a bottle of whiskey and a painting, because that an ex-girlfriend years ago got me to tap into my soul and what was on my heart, and then put that on campus. And I hate her, but I love that for it, because that's what, like I paint for me. I don't paint for anybody else. I apparently do some pretty cool stuff. I don't know. It, it, you're on my Instagram. Find it. It's some cool stuff. But uh, like I forgot where we were going. Uh, I I, I got stuck on painting. Bala
0: Whiskey painting and Colin Kaepernick.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Introspective thinking. um, Spend the night painting and kind of reflecting on who I was as a soldier, as a man, as an American. And, uh, like, First Amendment is a thing. I support everyone's right to do whatever they want as long as it doesn't impede on mine. And that guy brought forth a conversation that needed to happen. We had people being pulled out of cars Beat, shot, all these incredible, awful, terrible things that no one was talking about. And so he, in the most subservient manner, ruffled all the feathers. It was incredible. It really is. Kneeling is the, the biggest form of like submission. Like, I let you have all the power. I'm just going to do this. Well, do you know the, the history behind why he chose to kneel? He talked to a special forces guy and he said I think you should do this
0: yeah because uh, whenever they deliver the flag to a fallen you know veteran they they kneel when they give the flag to the family member and it's out of a sign of respect for the fallen veterans it's out of a sign for uh, respect for the flag like all of that at the same time while this you know it basically instead of sitting (coughs) down and remaining seated if he were to kneel then he would be less likely to offend the military. Was the yeah. reason for him kneeling?
1: Absolutely, and because he originally huge. just
0: stayed on the bench. Yeah, and I, I supported that because um, through my whole like punk rock, like anarchist kind of phase of um, you know teenagehood, I would whenever yeah, they they, when they would force us to all stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, I was under the impression that I wanted to be different than everyone in the class. And express my patriotism by sitting down. And the only reason why was because out of anyone in the class, I wasn't a blind, sheep, fucking idiot. And I'd actually read the Constitution. And then so by doing so, I was like, I'm going to sit down. And if anyone was like, well, you disrespect the flag. I'd be like, well, actually, I'm a Boy Scout. I'm a color guard. I know how to fold a flag. I know how to put the flag up. The school disrespects the flag every time it's fucking raining. Let's not even go there, you know what I'm saying? I'm sad, yeah. And so I would like I would go off on some people that would get mad at me sitting down, and then so whenever I saw someone else doing it for an actual reason and people getting mad, I'm like <laughs> an actual reason because your reason wasn't. No, my reason was fucking irrelevant. It was an own um, like egotistical like it was your um, crusade. That it you was, was I'm be I'm, I'm better I'm better than you kind of thing, and I'm smarter than you. And then if I choose to sit down to be different. I'm just trying to express my difference and, you know, probably in a way superiority to the fact that I think the majority of you are idiotic sheep. And so that when I would do it, I would do it probably to get attention because I was an idiot. And, I mean, that's the, the <laughs> realistic, you know, thing behind it. And so... Uh, but, Plus, as
1: long as you can admit that now.
0: Right. and But I didn't see it as being so back then, but now I see it as like... You know maybe it was uh, uh trying to get attention and then the only reason why I thought about it at all I would forgot all about it until Colin Kaepernick started kneeling and then I saw the pictures of him sitting on the bench and I was like I used to sit for the, the pledge like I feel where he's coming from because I was anti-government and I, what's funny is during that time when I was anti-government I was also anti-Nike and then so now here it is I support Nike
1: which is funny because the only soccer cleats I've seen you wear a Nike
0: They just fit my feet really good,
1: (laughs) and and here so it, like on, on Colin Kaepernick, the fact that he doesn't have a job in the NFL is beyond me. You mean to tell me that Nathan Peterman, of the Buffalo Bills, who has more interceptions than touchdowns, who almost has as many interceptions as complete passes on some games, who was a starter in the NFL, deserves a job over Kaepernick? That is, asinine. It's the owners, the old rich white men coming together and saying, to "I don't." It's it's collusion, and I hope he win. Like he should absolutely, without a doubt. Look at this example and this example alone. He should win that 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 collusion settlement. Period. We well, have to look at who owns
0: a majority of the football teams.
1: Old rich white men. Are there, it's, are there, are my, there any, majority? It's
0: all. Are there any black football owners like that fully own the team, not like no. a part owner? No. No. It, no. Not at all. And so when they look at American football. Like they look at it, and like that's, the, that's part of the problem is it's almost like an indentured servitude. We're going to pay you a lot of money to be an entertainer at expense of concussions, at expense of, you know, you're not being able to do anything other than the NFL, you know, and you're a slave to us. How many days of the year that you come to training camps, you come to all this, you're there all the time. We own you. We find the fucking shit out of you for wearing the wrong socks, for not having your shirt tucked in properly, for all kinds of stuff. They get their money back out of the players. And I know at, at my job, it, we cannot take money from a, one of our employee, like employees. Like we're not allowed to. It's not you're not supposed to. Like in a business, you're not supposed to take money from your employees. You could fire them, you could reprimand them, but you can't take money from them. So what allows an NFL owner to find their their employees, and then on top of that to treat them so poorly? It's like they're they're looking at it as a form of indentured servitude, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I, it's a voluntary form of, indig- of indentured servitude. But, it, yeah.
0: But, well, I mean, when you're getting offered millions of dollars, it's hard to turn it down. So you can. You can. I mean, Colin Kaepernick proved
1: it. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. I mean, he's hurting my fantasy team right now. But, I mean, <laughs> do, do your thing. If you want to lose $855,000 a week to go live your life and protect your body and your future... And your family's future to be able to go enjoy each other on family vacations, and not be thirty and have to use a cane or a locker. Do your thing. Right. I mean, I I need you on my team, but I'm not gonna hold that against you as a person, the, as a man.
0: There, there are other people that are speaking out though that aren't getting treated the same way as Colin Kaepernick. There's plenty of people that have kneeled that aren't getting you know blacklisted from the football leagues. Like it, I just don't understand because he was the
1: first. Yeah. Everybody. Every, Every major change throughout human history, focus specifically on the, on the United States throughout American history, has a scapegoat. Has the the example an example must be made, and it's going to be. But they have to think about like what example, example it is is they're Kaepernick, making. whatever. Rosa Parks. Rosa you know. Parks.
0: So like, if you were to look at that and you were to say, okay, well, like when Rosa Parks did this. And, uh, you know, now everyone agrees with Rosa Parks. So everyone who disagreed with Rosa Parks, you know, was seen as a bad person. So if you're on the wrong side of the coin, and, like, right now everything's going on, and you're like,
1: well, I'm against Colin Kaepernick. Like, how are you not
0: recognizing that you're on the wrong
1: side of the coin right now? Once again, anything that has changed is uncomfortable. We have a... We as a society have a suggested and a recommended norm... And an accepted norm. And what he's doing is shaking that tree and changing slowly, not quickly enough, the norm. Like the idea that you know just police violence, police brutality happens to just black people is ridiculous. But the notion that it happens more often is not, you know, far-fetched at all. That you've got the videos of the of the, the white the, the white kids, the white guys doing unreal things, running away from a cop who has a taser out, running away from a cop that has a gun out, running towards him with a knife, and they don't shoot him, versus, oh, I think that kid has a, has a gun, shoot him, hands up, don't shoot, shot him, I can't breathe, choked him, killed him, is unreal. Like, you, you have too many examples of too much ridiculousness versus too many examples of not enough ridiculousness to say that they're the they're, they're the same playing field. They're not. And so he's trying to bring equality to that injustice and like my god, I hope something happens. Slowly surely it's starting to happen, hopefully,
0: but it's it's that whole problem with like the, the lady who went into the guy's house and like killed him in his own house. I mean, she had definite motives. She had filed complaints about dude being loud. She was coming home after working a long shift. She was tired and I bet you he was being loud and she went up there to confront him and she chose to go into his apartment and fucking kill him. And then it was like, oh, I went to the wrong house, you know, I was blah, 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 makes excuses. And the entire, you know, police force of Dallas got behind her and was like, oh, she was a good person. I'm sure she made a mistake. Instead of realizing that if somebody broke into my house right now and shot me, like, they would go to jail, like, but the the thing is and I posted a video about it on Facebook and it's not it's not that a bad apple, you know, ruins itself. It's not that a bad apple, you know, can be thrown out and all the rest of the apples are good. It ruins the bunch. It ruins the bunch. And so then you have to look at that entire police force as being corrupt because no one's coming forward and being like what she did was wrong and we don't stand for that.
1: Like Because you gotta you gotta protect your own. You gotta and while I can, from somebody that's spent time in the military, spent time in incredible environments where you are in very adverse situations, I can understand that side of it. But at the same time, I don't understand how not one of them is standing up like, hey, this is, this is not correct. We should do something about this. Like Elias and Platoon.
0: I mean, I know it's a movie, you know, it's fiction, but, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you've got... People who are weaponized, who are allowed to have a semi-license to kill, and people are taking advantage of it. And there are other people around that also have a license to kill that are like, hey man, what you're doing isn't, it's not humane. And I feel like there needs to be more of that, like, spoken up. If there were more police officers taking a knee, then I feel like we would have
1: a faster change. That's profound. That's profound. I've got, a, I've got a buddy I served with who is in the police force in Baltimore. And every time one of those videos of a cop doing something wrong happens, he shares it and he says this is wrong. Every single time he shares it, he says this is wrong. He's a black police officer in Baltimore. And he's not afraid to stand up. If we, need, if we had more of that guy, more, I'm not going to put his name out there, but if we if we if we had more of that example, absolutely the change would happen faster.
0: Right. I mean, I'm from Little Rock, and we had the example of the white police officer in North Little Rock that was going to all the communities. You everybody knew by name, playing basketball. Talk about talk
1: about the guy with the with the with the shot. Yeah. Yeah, and he um, he actually got told he had to stop doing that. That's absurd. That's absurd. So, it, it, as 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 a police officer, you're supposed to protect and serve. If how better to protect and serve the communities that you're assigned to than to go be involved in them make your presence known hey don't come mess with these people because these are my people I'm here I got them that's the biggest way to protect and serve a community
0: right he's being a sheepdog like to all of his all of his people you know like he's taking care of that community to the point where like you would think that any other police officer would know that if they came into that area and they hurt anyone in that area in that area. You got new friend.
1: friendly. They're gonna
0: deal with that motherfucker. He's gonna be like, dude, I've known fucking Dwayne since he was four years old. I've taken him food on fucking Christmas. Like you just killed a member of my fucking family.
1: I I did not know that he was getting ostracized for it.
0: Yeah, like he was on the news, he was on all that, but then the the department actually told him that he needed to stop posting all those things on his social. He needed to stop like it wasn't professional. That's unreal. But part of that is due to how bad it makes all the other ones look that don't do it.
1: And, But it, him doing what makes his community happy and him happy shouldn't affect everybody else. Oh, they don't do that. That's fine. Let them do their thing. As long as they're not doing bad things. Let them be police officers. He wants to be a better than average police officer. Let him be a better than average police officer. That's unreal. And that that actually, like, I don't get angry, that kind of pisses me the fuck off.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you have to think about it. Like, when you bring that kind of attention to a force that has a really high crime rate, and then you have all this stuff going on in the nation, like, there's going to be people that look into it and are like, you know, why is this, you know, so popular? Like, what's it covering up? Like, it's going to bring more attention to a department that may not necessarily want attention. It's so, like, I can see where the, the person in charge would be afraid of things being discovered. That they don't want to be discovered, but if they have those skeletons in their closet, then it would make more sense just to air them out and solve the problems.
1: Don't do bad shit. Don't worry about bad shit being found. Exactly.
0: It's kind of like when someone does something stupid, <laughs> and I'm like trying to be like, "Yo, dog, like that shit was dumb as fuck," like, bubble and I'm telling them about it, and they're like. I don't think it's right that, like, you're, you're, you know, calling me out for, like, being stupid. And I literally say that. I'm like, don't do dumb shit, and I
1: can't call you out for doing dumb shit. I mean, that's, that's it. That's it. Love the people around you, and don't do dumb shit.
0: It's like, I'm literally trying to help you be a better person (laughs) by, like, explaining to you how that was dumb shit, so that way if you didn't see it, you know, beforehand, like, you see it now, hopefully, and maybe you won't do that dumb shit again. You know, like... So and it's nothing against it because it's just like burning our hand on the stove. I can tell you the stove's hot. I can tell my kids the stove's hot. I can be like, don't burn yourself. But what happens? It's not until you actually burn yourself that you learn that you gotta pay a little bit more attention and you'll burn yourself less after that. It's not saying you won't ever burn yourself again.
1: Oh no. It'll happen.
0: But you'll burn yourself way less after you understand the feeling of being burned. And then so if you're playing it off like it didn't matter, it didn't happen, you're forgetting it. Like one of the best jobs your friends can do is to be like yo, you remember that time you burned yourself? And you're like, fuck, I, 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 shut up, you're an asshole, I don't want to burn myself again.
1: <laughs> I mean, you play with fire, you get burned? Is that, that, is that appropriate there? Yeah, that's perfect. You, you learn, man. Uh, if, if I didn't learn from the shit that happened throughout my entire life, if I didn't learn from watching my parents go through multiple divorces, my little brother going through depression, and back and forth, and back and forth, who... He's still not great. He's going through divorce, and whenever I get to spend time with him, I do, and it's great. Love the little guy. But if you don't learn from your past, you don't ever become a better person. You don't change. And Ultimately, if you're not growing towards the better version of you, what are you doing in life? So what, what do you
0: think the... So like, I know what you would do if you had your dream job, but what do you picture as being like the best version of yourself?
1: I'm not far from it, really. Um... I work too much right now. I don't spend enough time with my friends and my family and that might be changing. It might not. It will change at some point. Probably not so immediate, unluckily. Um, just spend time with the little ones that I care about. I mean, between my girlfriend, my little brother, my dad, one of my buddies, my best friend. Like, I've got my fishing partner. I've got my girlfriend who I also, I also go fishing with. I've got my dad spending more time with all those people and embracing the community that makes me meet would be the best version of me. I'm positive. I help out. I'm goofy. I'm jovial. I'm extra on all of those things. I'll find time. I'll go out of my way to help people with anything. But I'm not far from that. I just work too damn much right now.
0: How do you feel about the the whole rat race that we live in. The feeling that we have to, you know, work all the time. Because I know that there's, there's talk about universal wages and, you know, different things. Like, what are your opinions on those?
1: So, I don't know about universal wages. Uh, That's something I'm not, I don't know about. But the rat race, the, the mold, go to school, go to college, get married, have a job, retire, 40 years later, is ridiculous. With, and I've, I've said this with friends of mine, with regulars of mine. Technology has actually made our life harder. Because previously, if something took a couple days to get to you, it was understood because it just takes time. Now, if I don't have a response in 10 minutes from this email, from this text, from this phone call, my life is going to change. Everything is going to just fall apart. And oh my God, calamity and collapse. Uh, it's, it's unreal. The fact that we are supposed to fit this box, this mold, that didn't work out for the people in front of us and we have to just follow in their footsteps is fucking stupid. I'm not built for that. I'm not. I actually, on my way over here, or lunch today, before I came over here, I was sitting down with a buddy of mine, and we were talking about getting together and putting together pieces and actually starting to manufacture our own soft baits for bass fishing so that we might be able to supplement our income enough where we don't have to work 50 hours a week, 40 hours a week. So we're actually able to enjoy the very precious time that we have on this planet with those that matter. Maintenance is here. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pause. Mm. I don't know what they're here for. we we'll have maintenance as an intermission.
1: Bye-bye. You are walking like you just got the shit kicked out of
0: you. Oh dude, so, like, it's like my calves are on fire, like this quad's on fire, and like the top of this foot for some reason, and then the bottom of this foot. What was your time? Um, so it's my first half marathon ever, I ran uh, 2 hours and 28 minutes. Dude, that's solid. Alright, sounds good. Yeah. Y'all have a good one? Yep. I could have gone a lot faster. I went with a friend of mine who used to weigh 310 pounds, and he weighs 209 now. And he'd only been training, he'd run like a seven-minute mile. And he'd like walk two or three miles in a day or whatever, but he hadn't been like running any distance. And I also like, I told him about the race probably, um, let's see, probably like three or four weeks before the actual r- like race. hmm We only had like a small amount of time to train. And like I went for like six miles uh, the first day that I trained. And then the next Sunday I did seven miles. Then the next Sunday I did 13.1 on the exact trail that we would be on. And then uh, the next week, so the fourth week, I ran the marathon just yesterday.
1: <laughs> That's not a great training regimen. Hey, I mean, it worked.
0: I was, I had lots of energy and I was, I definitely could have pulled out, I think, like, about a 215, maybe a little bit faster.
1: Which is still, like, way too good. I don't want to run that
0: And at uh, all. But yeah, it's got me super motivated. Like, I want to run a real marathon now. I want to try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I want to, I just want to push myself because, like, I'm... I ran that marathon at 218 pounds and when I was playing paintball like really competitively I retired for a while because of probation and everything. And um, whenever I was playing paintball I was like 190. And so like if I get down into like being in good shape and and then I run it I know I'll be a a whole lot faster.
1: And you won't be in as much pain.
0: Yeah. And so I'm just going to keep keep pushing at it. It was like a great thing but I know now that it's the, the whole saying of if you want to go far, like, go with somebody. But if you want to go fast, go alone. And so the next time that I'm, like, trying to, like, race, race. You're going to go? I'm going to go by myself. But if I have other people that want to go, I'll always go with them. But I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to set myself for a realistic or unrealistic, like, standards. You know, like, his his goal was to beat three hours and y'all killed it he finished in two hours and 30 minutes that's that's incredible we got we got to the final hill uh going from i think it's like from north street up to lafayette mm-hmm. on the bike trail and um, he was like he was walking he was tired as fuck and he's like dude just go." like i was like looking back at him over and over and i could just see it in his eyes like he didn't actually say it you know but he was just looking at me like i don't want to hold you up you know what i mean and I had been waiting on him, like, here and there for, like, the last two or three miles. And so I was just, like, I just took off full sprint. Like, I ran all the way up the Lafayette Hill. That, and that hill sucks. All the way down the hill. That's not all, so bad. All the way around the Walton Arts Center parking lot and, like, through the finish. Like, I kept up stride from the minute I left him. All the way through the finish, because I was just—I awesome. was just so stoked, dude! Like you were like, "I'm
1: done, let's go,
0: bro!" And then like I got done, and I still felt great. Like I didn't feel sore or nothing until like I woke up this morning. And I was like, "Holy fuck, my feet
1: hurt!" They always say the day after is where you really suck. Yeah. So
0: I'll ibuprofen you know. is
1: your best friend, my man. I don't ever want to do that at all. I, I got my my fair share of distance things with the Manchu Mile. I'm good.
0: I just feel like we run so much in soccer that, like, the running isn't really the aspect. Like, I was, like I talked about it during my training. I was like, dude, if I had a fucking soccer ball, like, I'd go so much faster.
1: I just get bored on it. Like, I get bored. And it doesn't help that my knee is bad, my shins are bad, my shoulder is bad. So every step, every way just hurts.
0: Some of it for me is, like, I wrecked a motorcycle, and I went to the doctor, and he told me that I should never run again without getting knee surgery. And I, I did my research on it, and, like, I had a full thickness cartilage tear, and basically he needed mm. to replace my cartilage. In, Where? Uh,
1: like, in your kneecap? Like, yeah. In between, your meniscus? No,
0: between my knees.
1: Oh, so your meniscus. Oh. You had a full, th- full thickness. Well, the meniscus
0: tear. is, like, on the side, and... Your meniscus is
1: the disc that goes in between your two bones.
0: It is? Mm. So it was, like, full thickness, like, tears through the through the inside. I relate. But it was it was bleeding, and so... I don't relate anymore. Um, because it was, it was showing that it was bleeding inside. He was like, you're basically, it's going to heal, but it's going to heal like scar tissue. It's going to be kind of like grindage, you know? Well, I did my research on it and it said that if you, um, the worst thing you can do is to not move your knees is because by not moving your knees, like you don't build up the fluid, you don't exchange the fluid, like you're not oxygenating like your legs, like you, you've got to continue to move it. And so... So what I did was, uh, because, like, when I first found out I couldn't run, I got depressed, and I gained a bunch of weight, and I just sat around and didn't do anything. I, like, I, uh, I rebuilt the car. I put a LT1 Corvette motor into a RX-7 and, like, built this little, like, hot rod thing. That sounds fun. It was super sweet. It fucking do some sick-ass donuts. And it was a little drift machine. It was badass as fuck. And then, um... I ended up selling it to have my second kid and I was so worried that like man I'm just gonna I'm not ever gonna be athletic again you know and uh after doing that research I found out that if I got on something that was like low impact so I just started rowing I would row like a motherfucker like all the time and um, started losing weight started eating healthier taking the load off my knees Absolutely. and then it made it to where like it didn't hurt at all anymore next thing you know I'm um, I'm like jogging, um, I'm running, I'm in the gym doing squats and deadlifts and no more knee pain like ever again. And so it was like, okay, like from now on, it's just full on healthy lifestyle. And then I started playing paintball competitively and then got done playing paintball. Um, And I was like, you know, I've been focused on cutting weight for like years now. Like I'm going to bulk up some. I tried to bulk and I, I put on like two pounds, but I gained like 20 pounds of fat I was like, I definitely just did that wrong. So, so now I'm now I'm back into the uh, trying to, like, cut weight again, but maintain the two pounds that I did put on. Hey, and then baby try, steps. Yeah, and then so I'll, I'll learn and I'll get better. But I never bulked ever in my life. And so when I did the first one, I gained like a pound and like, of muscle and like gained like ten pounds of fat. And I was like, okay, well, like. What do I need to do? And dude, it's like we well, just need to eat more carbs, like eat clean, blah blah blah, like different things. So I tried to do that, and then the same thing happened: pound of fat, ten pound, or pound of muscle, ten
1: pounds of fat. And I was like, sweet potatoes, avocados, brown rice, and eggs. I was like, damn, no matter what I do, it just keeps fucking up. So, yeah, and it might just be it might just be your body type, right? Like I, I can gain and lose weight very quickly if I eat right for like two months. I, without changing anything. It just kind of shreds off because I'm not a very big person. Yeah. No. But on the same token, if I don't eat right, like, once, it just comes all back.
0: Yeah. I'm, so. just,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm done worrying about all that. I'm going to do what I want and make myself happy.
0: Yeah, see, I'm trying to get in. I feel like me, like, the happiest version of me, I'll be, like, shredded and fully athletic and, like, running places with my shirt off and, like, just being a fucking douchebag. I mean, I do jiu-jitsu now. Like, I play soccer. Like, I... Um, I haven't touched a soccer ball in two years. I only went once the it. other day. I need and, it, and part of it was training for my marathon. I was like, if I go run some miles in soccer, then I'll be stoked. And I have people, like, trying to get me to play on teams on Sunday, so I might try to jump on a team this next go-around.
1: I mean, if Blake can do it. Have you seen Blake Blake lately? Yeah, that motherfucker's on that Herbalife shit, though, dude. I can't fuck with Herbalife. It's so expensive. It's so expensive. But he's, he's down to, like, 185. Like, he... Yeah. He weighs, like, 15 pounds more than I do. Yeah. And he's six inches taller than I am, or more. Yeah. But he cycles fucking miles, bro. Yeah, I know. Like, 20 to 50 a day. Yeah. I follow that bro on Strava, dude. He's fucking sick. <laughs> and he won. He won this last weekend. Dude, he's won five medals in his last five races. Well, it, like, he's uh, he's, he's only finished first in yeah. one of them, though. Yeah. But he's been, like, second, 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 third. First. Right. right. And he's he's a beast, man. Beast. Like, to watch this goofy, caveman, homeless-looking motherfucker. I always called him Rufio. That's funny. You remember when he had that black and red? Like, yeah. 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 Rufio, bro. Rufio. Oh, he's he's a decent goalie. I love, like... He makes really bad decisions with the ball in his hand and his feet, but he's a, he's a good goalie. But he's, he's one of the best people, like, just genuinely good people I've ever met. Oh, yeah. Real good guy. I remember back in the day going to the music hall. Like, I remember him from the music hall. He's mean. I've met him met soccer. Oh, he, I hate like musical. Back in the day, Fayetteville. Wow. Awful music. Like we have a lot of the same friends from that time. I remember bits and. I don't think we actually met met, but I remember him. I have this thing with faces, and it's exhausting. He's a good dude. He's a real good dude. Going through some shit. Yeah. But I feel like that's everybody at this age. Right. You either have your shit together, or you're entirely losing it all together.
0: Yeah but even the people that are losing it end up like i mean like you said like the adversity makes us stronger like dude's overcoming it i mean look at him now like he's like because he's taking care more of himself and he's being happier with himself like he's losing all of his weight like he's fucking kicking ass and what he loves to do i mean sometimes like like our our, our 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 failures make us stronger man like things that hold us back like we we don't realize and then whenever they're not there anymore like it propels us forward
1: I used to sarcastically say this whenever I was younger, and, uh, oh, not younger, like, whenever the movie first came out, anytime someone fell, or did something dumb. Batman, uh, one of the newer ones, his dad, it, he falls down the the thing, and the bats all come out, and his dad says, why do we fall down, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. And that, like, whenever, I, whenever it first came out, I was, hey, it's a joke. But over time, that's kind of become, like, Not necessarily my mantra, but just something that has resonated within me. Like, every failure leads to a success. You can't learn to fail, or you can't learn to succeed without failing a bunch of times. Edison had thousands of light bulbs that didn't work before he got the one that did. That's incredible. Who knows how many times Ben Franklin flew his kite with the key before he actually got lightning and made electricity? Who knows? I don't. I wasn't alive then. Uh... I said one thing on my way out of the army to some of the guys that were like, how did you... Like, some of the some of my younger soldiers. Because I, I wasn't great at anything. I was very, very good at a bunch of things. I'm a damn good medic. I'm a damn good shot. I was a great fucking soldier. I was a great leader. I was a great teacher. But I wasn't incredible at any of those. I was just very, very good at a lot of things. And they were like, how did you get there? I was like, oh, baby steps. You'll learn it. And then I literally said, baby steps to greatness. Just kind of like shoving it off and... That's been, like, that has been my life motto since then. We're talking 10 years. In 32, I got out when I was like, yeah. That was so, so what injury took you out? Um, so I was, I got diagnosed, or I, I got stress fractures just from overuse, from rug marches, from all the things, from playing soccer four times a week, from everything. Stress fractures in both my shins. To the point that whenever I went and got them looked at by the doc, he looks at me and says, How are you walking? And my stubborn ass said, like this. And I got up and walked around the room. And it hurts. It still hurts to this day. But uh the injury that really kinda put me because I was I was training to go do something bigger than just your regular soldier. I was wanting to go do something like Special Forces, uh, go to something bigger than just me. Cause I, I was I was that kind of soldier. Like I was fueled by Hua. And, uh, soccer tournament against some Air Force guys, soccer game against some Air Force guys, and they tried to play through ball about four too many times, and the dude never touched it, and he got frustrated and took my legs out from underneath me. I landed on my shoulder and separated, or landed on my elbow first and separated my shoulder, which, looking at me right now, you see that my shoulders are not parallel. They're they're not, they don't, they're they're not the same. It still hurts. I can't do pull-ups like I used to. I can't do push-ups like I used to. I have probably eighty-five percent use of my left shoulder. Now I'm fat and angry and I'm out. I was in the reserves for like five years. So I got to do some more time, but then my commander there was just a worthless human being, if if I'm being entirely honest. And if we were if we were too deployed, I do not have any confidence in ability in his ability to keep anybody alive at all. So I was like, it's time for me to get on out. Yeah. And now I am. That's good. And now I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't want to go into the rat race. I don't want to fit into the box, the mold, because my entire life I've broken those things. I've been the 5'5 five five guy who played every position on the baseball field, who played the majority of the positions in basketball. I was never a center, but I would box them out. Uh, short, undersized, fastest on the team for anything. Like, I, I have never fit into a box. I'm extroverted, I pick up languages, I like to publicly speak, I'm goofy, uh, but at the same time I want to get away from everybody and go fish, I don't fit a mold, so why would I f- try to find my way in that cookie cutter? It's not me. Yeah. At all. And I mean, you've known me for a little bit. I'm anything other than normal. Yeah. Those are the best people, though. Man, if you're not bringing something new to the table, you're not invited to the table. Right. Without change, you can't have adversity. Without that adversity, you can't... You, you need individuals to help make a change, to help better each other. Could you imagine uh, Lord of the Rings if they
0: were all, like, Gimli? Like, if everybody was just, like, the dwarf mindset, like, fucking closed-minded, angry and shit, like...
1: Oh, no, you, you, yeah, I can. You remember they went through the, uh, the... Not the... They went through the... I'm drawing a complete blank. The mountain, in the very first one where they go in and all of the dwarves that are closed minded are now dead yeah that would be rings rings. if they were all Gimli yeah nobody throws a dwarf right
0: so it's like you definitely have to have like every every bit of everyone being
1: uniquely themselves in order to make the best of the world and that's a great that's a great uh, reference point you have people from all walks of life who don't necessarily get along who form this band of misfits and go on and save the world and I mean that's what life's made out of. But you
0: have to be able to, to find that commonality and find like the greater good cause that we're all fighting for to be able to come together and realize that all your problems are small in comparison to like the greater evil that we're trying to, you know. Uh,
1: Overcome. Exactly. Change. Yeah. Absolutely. Life is too short. Gotta love you, fellow brother. Yeah. Life is too short to live blandly as well. Don't be vanilla. Yeah. Definitely
0: don't be vanilla. got you gotta be Neapolitan, you know. Two in the yeah. pink, one in the sting.
1: That's too far. <laughs> Hashtag butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cookies and cream, man. Cookies and cream. Yeah. So you're into the sandwiching, huh? Sure. I'm down. Yeah. Ice cream sandwiches, I'm good. I like that. That shit's fire. But cookies and cream is the best ice cream. Really? Period. Period. That's, that's 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 my jam. Have you been to Sonic and tried our,
0: uh, our new, like, double-stuffed yes. waffle cone? Uh, ooh, no. All right, so we have an Oreo waffle cone. And then, uh, they, they have, like, we have a double-stuffed, like, cream. And we put it on top of the ice cream and then cover it with Oreos. Yeah, I'm probably gonna get one of those soon. And you stop by. <laughs> if you go to my store, I can tell them to just give you one.
1: What? Well, I live an hour and a half that way. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So, like, you go to Rogers, and you turn towards the lake, and then you just go for about 40 minutes, and there's my house. Nice. Nice. I live literally, like, over my deck is a street, and then a hill. And straight at the bottom of the hill is the lake, and a dock that I have access to. My dad lives over somewhere close by there. I'm over by a rocky branch, and it's real nice.
0: Ooh, that place is beautiful. I wanted to buy a sailboat to, to like, live at, and, uh... Rocky Branch was like one of the places that I wanted to stay at.
1: It's beautiful, man. Like I'm I'm so lucky that I was able to find this place. By find this place, I mean the people that owned the house were regulars of mine whenever I was just a bartender. Whenever they found out I was moving back, they reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, stop looking, come check out this place. It's our cabin, we don't use it. Either you're going to rent it or we're going to sell it. And so I have a cabin on the lake for less than rent in the majority of the like apartments around here, I pay seven fifty a month to be right on the lake, and it's incredible. That's definitely incredible, dude. I'm I'm so fucking spoiled. I I, I count my lucky stars. We need to rent a boat and go wakeboarding. I'm probably out on the wakeboarding. Tubing, you can tube. I'm probably gonna go tubing. Uh. Re- Really, really good family friend of mine was on his way to, like, pro-am and professional status for wakeboarding. Made a bad decision in high school and let somebody else drive his car that was more messed up than he was. They drove through a wrought iron fence. Matt's still alive, but he's not functional. The last time I stood up on a wakeboard was about six years ago. And I stood up and then just tears came bursting over our face and I couldn't see anything, so I just let go. And I haven't even thought about it since.
0: See, I have a friend of mine that I play paintball with. That's like... He, like, sells boats at Bradford Marina or whatever up there. And he's, like, a wakeboarding fucking phenom. Like, dude's always posting sick-ass videos, like, doing backflips, holding one hand. Like, with the GoPro on the selfie stick on the other. Like, just fucking gnarly shit through the air. It's just wild, dude. It's, it looks so intoxicating. Like, I was feel like act? the adrenaline rush would would cause me to, like, give up everything I love and want to wakeboard, but I've never stood up on a wakeboard in all long time, so I don't even
1: know what it feels like. It's fun. I mean, back whenever, back before all that happened, we were out a lot, and I got decent at it. I'm not doing any tricks, but I can jump the wake, I can do grabs, I can do some things, but the dude was unreal, like, the best I've ever seen in person on a wakeboard, period. And then it translated to snow as well because apparently he went snowboarding and just killed it out there too, and I was just like, I, I thought he was a dick.
0: Yeah, man, it just makes me think. I one of my friends in Memphis posted, uh, I think it was yesterday. He was like, if anybody's you know too drunk to drive, holler at your boy, and like I I shared it and I was like, my boy's in Memphis, but if you're in Fayetteville, you know hit me up. Same thing applies, and then I had somebody that I'm friends with post. You know, right underneath me, like he commented on mine. was like, I'm in Oklahoma City, call me. So it's like, we just need more of that in the world, man. Help, Help your neighbor out, man.
1: It's a community of people. How did these cities and everything develop? They were a community of people striving for a general purpose. And we're kind of fighting each other. Instead of actually growing together and developing each other individually and creating... A greater good we're breaking everyone down and that's just a whole bunch of negativity and nepotism, nepotism and it's not great
0: a lot of people look at it as like uh, you hear it as like a piece of the pie everybody wants a piece of the pie they're not realizing that like equality and, and like the rights that we all share like you're not going to lose any of yours by like someone else getting their share too because it's, it's, it's not pie
1: make your own pie
0: yeah Fuck theirs. Just, just don't fuck the pie like American pie. It's shit's gross. Only if it's warm apple pie. That's it. But if it had cheese on it, like true American pie, then it, it would like
1: hold on the cheese, cheese on, on apple pie. Have you never heard this? I've heard it, but I didn't know. I didn't know that was actually a thing. I thought that was a joke.
0: No, that's some real shit, man. Like that's supposedly what makes apple pie American is by putting cheese on it.
1: And I'm out. Um, yeah, no, that, does, that doesn't sound good.
0: I don't want to fuck with it,
1: you know. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> or gonna... fuck it, for that matter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. That's yeah, that that's gross to me. That sounds. And once again, it's just it's just different. It's just normal. I'm not used to it, so it makes me immediately go. Ugh. I'm good. I might no, I might try. It. I tried a lot of random things living in Korea. Naturally, I tried a whole bunch of random shit. Took trips over to Japan. Tried a whole bunch of random shit. All kinds of delicious food, all kinds of delicious women, Uh, but cheese on apple pie—that kind of makes me cringe. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten, then? Live octopus was weird because it's wriggling. Um, I had—I tried to hold it down, but the the balut, the fermented duck eggs. That sounds gross as fuck, dude. The smell did it for me. I was, I was inches away from going and taking a bite, and I couldn't do it. Uh, was it durian? The super stinky fruit is incredible. It tastes so good. It smells awful. But going over some roadkill that's been out in July heat here isn't much different. But durian was great. But you don't eat the roadkill, bro. No. But I mean, it's, some but it, Arkansans do, but... I mean, Roadkill Cafe don't. or something? No, but it, it, it smelled similar. Like, imagine the stinkiest roadkill you've ever had. That's kind of... that. It smells equally bad.
0: So the worst smell that I ever had was my, my grandpa was a, a riverboat, like, cat fisherman. And so he would drop these nets out that were, like five times longer than our fucking boat. Like, I'm talking huge, like... Like, it looks like a big crawfish trap, but it's a net for, like, catfish. And the catfish would be so big that you would pull the net up and you would shoot them in the head with the fucking twenty-two. and then leave them outside of the boat and drag them along the side of your flat-bottom boat like it was a fucking shark <laughs> and take it straight to the marina and have them, like, lift it up out of the water and pay you by the pound for the the catfish. Like, that's what he did for a living. That's incredible. Well, in order to catch catfish that fucking big in the middle of, like, the Arkansas River... You have to chum. No, we would would go to this other place in Memphis, and we would buy, like, the most rottenest fucking nasty five-gallon buckets of spoiled cheese in existence and stuff them into a cheesecloth... And tie the cheesecloth inside of the net.
1: Yeah, you're chilling.
0: And oh my god, dude, that's what it would. That's what would bring them in. And it it was. I can never get past that smell. I can't eat blue cheese to this day. <laughs> so, so like, I love buffalo chicken, but buffalo chicken is usually accompanied with blue cheese. I'm a ranch guy. And, and me too. But when I see that there's blue, like like blue cheese on anything, I'm
1: just like. <laughs> I don't know. Can you can you exchange this for not blue cheese? I mean, just hold that shit, bro. It's a nasty <laughs> spot. To each their own. I mean, who am I to tell you what you can and cannot eat? People out there eating ass. I'm not about to do that.
0: All I know is I just had a bad experience, you know. So I just can't fuck with the can't fuck with the blue cheese
1: no more, man. I mean, it, it, I'm I'm good on all that as well.
0: So you're the type of guy you'll you'll double dip chips or no? Have you seen that meme? Is it is it my house? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just like if you're
1: out anywhere, would you double dip chips? Uh, if if I'm with like my girlfriend or whatever, and we're the only ones there, sure. If I'm at a party, I'll break the chip off and use each side. Yeah, they they say that the science says
0: at least that it it doesn't matter. It's not any more likely to be a problem double dipping the chip than it wouldn't be. But the the meme says um, people are out worried about people double dipping chips, but they're out there eating ass. I've seen that. Yeah. So like when you were talking about that, it just made me
1: think of that so bad. Um, it, I, I'm I'm opposed to that. Yeah. For sure. I, it, as long as you're not looking like disgusting, double dipping your chip, I'm not gonna be that fucked up about it. Right. But if the shit on yeah. your lip had some shit on its lip, I'm I'm not even eating the cheese dip no more. I'm mm. done. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go to Sonic and get that double dip. Uh, yeah. that you were talking about. Hey, that shit's fucking good, dude. Just check it out. Says the guy who's trying to get healthy. Yeah, eat this thing so I don't have to.
0: Oh, fuck, dude. Like, that's probably the worst part about being there is, like, I see things that I want or, like, we clean our ice cream machine. Right after we get done cleaning the ice cream machine, I'm
1: like, oh, I want some ice cream. How do you think I feel at my restaurant every day? Yeah. Our shit is so full of sugar and sodium and everything. You can make healthy stuff there, but, like, it just real quick, easy meals. I'm like, I want that, and I just chow. Dude, steam, time. steamed and, like, fried gyoza.
0: That shit's fire. We, we have those. Yeah, I would eat that all day.
1: They're, they're hand-rolled by these little Latina ladies all day, and they're so good. So good. I can make them. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually good. Like, I'm not good at a lot of stuff there. I can do that shit all day.
0: Yeah, I can eat them all day.
1: Buy the stuff. I'll come over. We'll make them.
0: Yeah. I need to learn how to, because that's some shit that I would... I would definitely learn how to make and then cook that shit because I love some gyoza. I lived in uh, Carlson Terrace, like my mom was going to college mm-hmm. at the U of A, and I mean it's a. Uh,
1: we used to go there for Halloween for like trick or treating.
0: Yeah, dude, it's it's awesome. It was like a cultural overload. Like, dude, I, it was incredible. I had friends from Ghana, Colombia, Sri Lanka, Philippines, uh, people who spoke Mandarin, Cantonese, fucking Japan, like anything. Like they were all living in the same apartment complex, and so. My neighbor that was below me, his parents worked at Panda. Like, they both worked at Panda. And his mom would make you know, gyoza all the time. And except they just call them dumplings.
1: Yep.
0: And so uh, every time that she would make them, she'd have them come up and bring me some. And I was just, dude, I was just so in love. I've always been
1: in love with those things since. shit is so good. Like, any time you can get a little handheld, like, dumpling-style thing from anywhere in Asia, it's... Probably gonna be fire. I mean, even dim sum is pretty good. Well, yeah, I'm not a big fan of like the red bean paste that they throw in it sometimes. But on the same token, like red bean paste ice cream is incredible. Never had it, dude. They had so they had this uh, this shit that was shaped like a fish, and it had this red bean paste shell, and this like super dense vanilla ice cream on it, and it was on a popsicle. And you just walk around with this, like, Nemo-looking fish popsicle thing, and it was so good. Was a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of random shit. Like, this Korea was incredible. If you ever get a chance, go. Go visit. Maybe I can pull the uh,
0: James Franco, Seth Rogen, and go over there and, like, interview Kim Jong-un.
1: That'd be North Korea. Same thing, though. Still Korea. It's not. It's not the same thing. North Korea is entirely different. Really? Their dictatorship, they are so secluded from the rest of the world that they think they have won the World Cup the last 10 times. Uh, Like All their internet, all their TV, all everything is so washed that it's all only North Korea. Like it's, oh, the infidels of the United States have done this, and we saved you, North Korea forever, type things. It's wow, like you were talking about indoctrination. That's it. They're indoctrinating their entire
0: people. Yes, sir. Like I knew that it was like to some extent like that bad, but I didn't realize that it was, you know, like in the World Cup ten years
1: like, that's ridiculous. Uh, And and the last one, it's uh, like, how do you make up some of that fucking shit? Like in the last one, they beat us like twelve to one or something, in the World Cup finals. I don't think the U.S. is going to make it to a World Cup final. No. On the women's side, yeah. On the men's side, no. No. Not at all. No. Got to get rid of Clint Dempsey first.
0: He's retired. He's done. I don't even keep up with soccer. (laughs) Like, I like to play soccer, but I don't keep up with any sports. You like it at all? No. Not even paintball anymore? No. Even when I played paintball, I didn't keep up with paintball. Like, I'm, I'm... I guess I'm too narcissistic. You like, are so about narcissistic. You only like, consider it yeah. <laughs> I'm just just playing paintball for me, man. And my, my team like keep up with how we do. You know, like if I it's so like Plum Life is like a big organization. and We have teams, you know, in multiple different levels. And so any tournament that we were in, you know, I would be watching the scores like every five seconds. But aside from our team. If I was hanging out with other paintball people and they are like, let's watch this, you know, I'd watch it just like...
1: Like, yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, right. I'd, I'd check it out, but it's like, on my own time, like, it's either watch paintball or go out to the paintball field and do drills. I'm going to go out to the paintball field and do drills.
1: Or play Halo. Right.
0: Definitely play some Halo fucking 5, dude. Which PUBG's better, but... Dude,
1: I've just been a Halo fan since Halo 1, so it's Me hard too, to... Me too, but Halo 4 kind of was... Actually, Halo ODST is when I went. I'm done with Halo. Yeah, me too.
0: But then my uh, my son started liking Halo because like Netflix has Halo cartoons, and then so uh, Sterling wanted to to play Halo, so I got Halo Five, and then I saw that it had like the Slayer matchmaking and all that stuff, and I got in it, and I've just been crushing, kids, dude. Like I got I got ranked last night. Finally, I started playing like the ranked matches. And you have to play, like, ten matches before you get ranked or whatever. And there's six different levels of each medal. So, like, there's bronze one through six. There's silver one through six. There's gold one through six. Platinum one through six. Diamond one through six. And then it goes onyx and champion. And after playing my ten matches, I was ranked uh, gold level five. So I was like, fuck yeah, better than half these
1: bad kids. Let's go. I'm, like, so stoked. Uh, it, like, PUBG is, is my thing. PUBG is a, now I live in a place that the internet's so bad I can't actually play any of the games. It's actually been nice. All I do is, like, go fishing and work and paint and watch Netflix every now and then. My boss is calling me, and I'm not going to answer it.
0: Yeah. So if you watch Netflix, you need to watch the comedy special Secret Time with Rob, or Bert Krishner? Keep calling him Rob, stuff like his name's Rob and they just call him Bert. But Bert Krishner, Secret Time, is fucking hilarious. It's the first time in a long time, I
1: literally, like uncontrollably laughed out loud. I'll check it out. I will absolutely. You said Bert Krishner.
0: Yep, it's called Secret Time.
1: I will check it out.
0: It's the guy who does the jokes about being part of the Russian mafia and he comes out and takes his shirt off.
1: Why is my shirt off? I don't know. I'm more comfortable that way.
0: Yeah, but that's what the fuck he does, man. He's funny as fuck.
1: I've seen some of that stand-up and it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, he has a special now on Netflix and, dude, the whole thing, like, literally, I was, like, in tears. Like, I was laughing my ass the
1: fuck off. I will absolutely check that out. I will absolutely check that out. I need a good laugh. I do probably need to start getting out of here, though. Yeah. No big deal, man it's 5.30. Yeah, we should do it again sometime. I'm in. I'm down.
0: Awesome. M- maybe the next time I'll be able to have you in the studio because that's my goal so to have all this stuff set up in the studio and then all of them come through there from now on so it's like more professional. Where's it going to be? Uh, you know where Cumulus Broadcasting is right there by the mall? Yeah. So I have an office right next to that. Like it's already there. I've already painted it. I'm installing the carpet right now and then we've got to build a desk and all of our like acoustic uh, baffles and stuff to like bass trap sounds and basically make it to where there's less editing because there's less echo and reverb and all that and i can hear there's so much in the room that
1: yeah you've got all the random noises and sounds and yep that come with apartment life
0: right well at the office uh basically after five o'clock there's no one else at the office and then so it's just free time and then on sundays there's never anyone there so we'll be able to like have everything set up and have better recording and like this mic's a piece of shit compared to that mic, so I'll have more of those mics. And I'll have everything, like, legit, legit. That's awesome. So if that's what you wanna do, man, do it. Well, the, the thing is, is I wanna be able to um, like help others. Like, say you wanted to have a podcast, right? And I have everything for you, and I have the free platform that you can use to publish your podcast. And I'm just like, come in, talk what you wanna talk about, I'll walk you through the steps, you can use all of my equipment, pay like $25 an hour you know and if you want to interview people interview people I'll sound engineer your your recordings or whatever for you help you edit it help you publish it fuck yeah and then the the amount that I'm paying for my little office is like two thousand two hundred bucks a month and so if I can get you know what like four or five motherfuckers something like that it's like, well no it's like it's eight, eight hours yeah eight hours a, a month and I'm I'm paid up so that's great and then it would make it to where I have the office for the rest of the time for the stuff I need to do so that's great that's what I'm going for because then I have friends that are like they play the guitar or they do whatever it's like any kind of little musician thing if I can record people on some of the stuff that I have and charge them way less than anyone else that will record them for and give them a cool place to do it at and uh, basically I just want to induce production out of people I want people to you know get like get their talent out there and start making content so like whatever kind of content it is that people would be good at just give them a place to do it for really cheap maybe even invest in some people like you're not gonna have to pay anything just come and do it i'm gonna help you get it out there and the fact that they're putting out good content somebody would be like where are you getting this done at and boom this exactly. man right well yeah So it's more like a share space kind of thing it's not anything i think might be a business business per se but it's something that can pay Keep, for my bills of keeps you out of I the idea. rat race yep i mean i'll still have to work to you know take care of my kids and take care of my apartment and stuff like that I'm take care of my travels but for this hobby i want the hobby to pay for itself yeah and that's that's the goal right right to do your
1: hobbies for free Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for coming. I gotta... I gotta go figure out why my boss called me and
0: didn't leave me a message. You're all good, man. Take it easy. See you oh, soon. Hopefully we'll get to play some
1: soccer. Let's go do that. Let's do that. All right. I gotta find out when I can actually get up there.
0: Yeah.
1: You mean for anything else? No, man. You're all good.
0: It's Philip Price signing off. <laughs> As always, one look.